Working from home over the past year or so, I've never been more aware of the importance of my high-speed internet connection. Most of the time, I enjoy a reasonably fast fiber optic connection, which allows me unfettered access to the files and systems I need to do my work. If I need to upload a large video file to a server or download a slide deck full of high-resolution images, I usually have no trouble logging into NASA's virtual private network and getting the job done. Having just turned 30, I'm not so young that I don't appreciate the speed of my internet connection. I can't imagine what this pandemic would have been like had I needed to rely on the dial-up internet my family had in the 90s and early 2000s. Back then, the time it took to download an album or a video game from the web could seem interminable. The fiber optics that serve as the backbone for today's terrestrial internet didn't appear overnight. Through diligent and persistent innovation, engineers developed and implemented these systems, which send pulses of lasers densely packed with information through cables made of glass or plastic. In parallel, NASA's space communications community has been creating systems that allow spacecraft to send their data over lasers. <laughs> Minus the cables, of course. Free space optical communications, so named because the lasers flow freely through space, offers similar benefits to fiber optics and can take missions from dial-up to high-speed connections. In this second episode of a five-part series about the laser communications relay demonstration, we'll dive deeper into the benefits of optical communications for space users and glean the goals of the mission overall. I'm Danny Baird. This is The Invisible Network. Gerald Bauden serves as program scientist in the Earth Science Division at NASA headquarters in Washington. I'm responsible for NASA's Earth Science uh, radar systems. These are um, satellites that are looking at um, everything from earthquakes, volcanic eruptions, looking at changes in biomass um, on the Earth and uh, cryosphere. NASA's fleet of orbiting Earth science satellites generate invaluable insights about our changing planet. Their data informs everything from long-term research into climate change to real-time information about natural disasters as they occur. NASA's Earth science satellites provide a context. We see what's going on, where it's going, and being able to go ahead and measure it. So these are our eyes in space. If it wasn't for the satellite data, we would not be able to go ahead and see these changes of what's going on in the world. So it's impressive what we can do with it. Earth science satellites can generate a lot of data and continue to generate more as engineers develop higher resolution science instruments. Over the years, NASA has refined ways of getting the ever-increasing volume of scientific information on board these spacecraft to scientists on the ground. The challenges of getting data down to the ground are, I'll say, multi-leveled. But it really comes down to um, the, the, the downlink bandwidth. So if, if we think of it kind of like an internet connection coming into, into your house, if we go old school and you got a modem coming in, uh, we used to have very slow modems, and then they got faster and faster, but still, the data that was coming in was just trickling down. That's like our satellites were, I'll say, back in the 1970s. In the days before digital instruments, when satellites used film, engineers had to be even more creative about getting their data down. They actually dropped the film out of the satellite and was retrieved down on Earth. As technology improves over time, we're able to get more and more data 
off the satellite. So it's this bandwidth piece. We've gone from that to now where we're collecting terabytes of data every day. And so we're going from very small, again, the modem speeds that I was talking about earlier, up to really the fiber optic speeds. And so that's where I think laser communication is really going to help expand the research field because we'll actually have this higher data bandwidth. What is laser communications? It's a technology that will empower scientists with more data than ever before. If you really take a look at what the Earth science needs are, so this is now trying to look at more of the future of uh, NASA's Earth science needs, um, everybody wants bigger, better, faster type capabilities. And the scientists um, that um, help drive and help put together NASA's missions are no different. If I kind of use this uh, water um, tower as an analogy where the water represents the data and you want to get that um, out of the tower, if you've got a small hose, you can only do it so quickly. It's going to take a long time to get all the data out. So what we need to be able to do is open the bottom of these satellites so you can get a ton of data off the satellites within a few minutes. And what does more data mean for research? We're going to be able to go ahead and do a lot more uh, exciting science. So instead of looking at just large-scale processes, we're able to start looking in and zeroing in on some of the smaller level things that actually contribute to the larger scale. Uh, there's a lot of, I'll say, interconnectivity among the different processes. We got fires that are burning that's putting smoke up in the air. That smoke comes out, it lands on snow and ice, so you increase the melting on the snow and ice. And then there, now we've got more water that's uh, coming out of the mountains. There's a lot of interconnectivity that the added data volume and the quality of data will be able to go to enable. The Laser Communications Relay Demonstration, or LCRD, which launched this December, is helping to mature optical communications so that missions across the agency can deliver more data to scientists like Gerald Bodden. As he so eloquently put it, it's like opening up the bottom of the satellites so that more data can flow to the ground at once. The higher frequency of these infrared lasers can provide 10 to 100 times higher data rates than comparable radio frequency systems. That means that missions using optical can downlink more data per second than ever before. Optical communications technologies are not new. If you went back and listened to episode 11 of the podcast, Reflections, you'd learn about 1992's Galileo Optical Experiment, one of NASA's earliest optical communications tests. If you listened to episode 2, Lemnos, you'd learn about the Lunar Laser Communications Demonstration, or LLCD, which flew aboard the Lunar Atmosphere and Dust Environment Explorer, or LADEE, in 2013. That mission is considered the predecessor to LCRD in many ways, but LCRD is taking optical communications one step further. LCRD Principal Investigator Dave Israel. LCRD uh, was chosen as, as a mission in August of 2011, actually, and and at that time, so we were, we were already building the the lunar laser communications demonstration mission that was to fly on, on the LADEE spacecraft. So uh, LADEE did fly and was was very successful in 2013, uh, and it demonstrated the technology of LaserCom and and uh, even you know all the way uh, to and from lunar orbit, and and uh, you know, set all sorts of records and and performed um, uh, extremely well. Uh, however, that, that was a short duration uh, technology demonstration mission. And, and so, so uh, even though the, the basic technology was, was proven with, with LADEE, uh, because it was such a, a short duration, there were, there were still 
were and still are lots of questions about uh, longer-term operational use. It's those exact questions that LCRD is addressing. The goal of the mission is to further refine operational use of optical communications, testing capabilities and limitations. Okay, my name is Sabino Piazzolla, and uh, I am here at uh, Jet Propulsion Laboratory. I'm an optical engineer. Sabino also serves as a co-investigator on LCRD. He's worked on a host of NASA optical communications experiments and demonstrations, and looks forward to refining the science behind optical communications with LCRD. We know that the laser beam can propagate through the atmosphere, but there is a lot of things that need to be still studied, like interaction with turbulence. So this is one thing that uh, LCRD is going to provide. And... Uh, we're going to understand that with this limitation of uh, propagation to the atmosphere, what is the best that we can achieve in terms of uh, data rate and performances. Due to their lower frequency, radio waves don't interact with the atmosphere as strongly as laser light does. So those interactions must be studied. To move towards operational use of optical communications, engineers need to understand and overcome the challenges of things like transmitting through cloud coverage or turbulent air. One way to limit the effect of the optical turbulence is to use a technology that we are currently using for LCRD, which is called adaptive optics. So adaptive optics is a way to, to compensate all the distortion or the aberration of the light that experience when it's propagated to atmosphere. In addition to issues of atmospheric distortion, engineers must compensate for a phenomenon called beam wander. The beam wander is caused by the fact that the refractive index of the atmosphere is not constant. Because of the different temperature distribution in the atmosphere... If engineers can predict the wander of the beam based on the atmospheric conditions, they can compensate for it, assuring clear transmissions. Atmospheric distortion and beam wander are just two of the relative unknowns that LCRD hopes to address over the life of the mission. There's also the issue of modulation schemes, the ways NASA embeds data onto the lasers. There's questions about the data rates that can be achieved under operational conditions. There's also the unknown questions that engineers won't even know to ask until LCRD is on orbit and transmitting data. To encounter these questions, mission engineers developed LCRD as a versatile platform. It's the perfect tool for investigators and guest experimenters to test and refine optical communications technologies while developing future optical missions. Beginning next episode, we'll take a look at the design and architecture of LCRD, starting with the flight systems. The week after, we'll take a look at the ground architecture that ties it all together. Thank you for listening. Do you want to connect with us? The Invisible Network team is collecting questions about laser communications from listeners like you. We're putting together a panel of NASA experts from across the space communications and navigation community to answer your questions. If you would like to participate, navigate over to NASA Scan on Twitter or Facebook and ask your question using the hashtag AskScan. That's at NASA Scan, N-A-S-A-S-C-A-N on social media with the hashtag AskScan, A-S-K-S-C-A-N. 
This LCRD-focused season of The Invisible Network debuted after the launch of the U.S. Space Force's Space Test Program Satellite 6 on December 7, 2021. LCRD is led by NASA's Goddard Space Flight Center in Greenbelt, Maryland, in partnership with NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory in Southern California and the MIT Lincoln Laboratory. LCRD is funded through NASA's Technology Demonstration Missions Program, part of the Space Technology Mission Directorate, and the Space Communications and Navigation, or SCAN, program at NASA headquarters. The podcast is produced by SCAN at Goddard, with episodes written and recorded by me, Danny Baird. Editorial support provided by Katherine Schauer. Our public affairs officers are Laura Bleacher, Katherine Hambleton, and Claire Skelly. Special thanks to Barbara Addy, SCAN Policy and Strategic Communications Director, and all those who have lent their time, talent, and expertise to making the Invisible Network a reality. Be sure to rate, review, and follow the show wherever you get your podcasts. For transcripts of the episodes, visit nasa.gov invisible. To learn more about the vital role that space communications plays in NASA's mission, visit nasa.gov scan. And for more NASA podcast offerings, visit nasa.gov podcasts.